are you or do you know someone who puts themselves last, doesn't know how to set boundaries, and maybe says yes too often? Our next speaker is going to share with us how to say no and set some boundaries. Don't miss it. Building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Hey, Giant Builders. I'm so happy to be here. And it's two o'clock, so let's get started. So our, oh, I hate it when I do that. I say so too many times. Let's get started. Today we have Suzanne Kohlberg. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? I'm fabulous, Lois. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about you? So I am hailing from Sydney, Australia, where it's likely already the next day. (laughs) (laughs) I am a mum of two absolutely fabulous children and I am a coach. So I am the nope coach. I help people, particularly people pleasers, learn to say no and set boundaries in a way that feels good because I'm really passionate that we should be saying no more often. And yeah, I absolutely love being an entrepreneur, the flexibility of working from home and being able to work around my children's many, (laughs) many interests. (laughs) How old are they? Yes. Seven and nine. Oh, so you're still saying no a lot too. Oh, yes. And we are learning as we go. So as I'm recording this outside my office, I have a little sign and one side it says yes and one side it says no. So when I'm working, if it's saying yes, they can come in, um, say I'm doing emails, back office stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, creating. But if it says no, they can't come in unless it's an absolute emergency. But the thing is, we have very different definitions of what rates an emergency. I remember the first time I'm explaining this and I'm like, unless it's really important, I'm like, yeah, okay. And then five minutes after I put the sign up, someone's coming in, it's like, what is it? Oh, it's really important. Okay. I can fit 27 blueberries in my mouth. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we need to have that a bit of a, a discussion. That is so important. <laughs> So, so yes, but then after we're recording this today, um, we're going to the movies because it's school holidays um, here in Australia currently because we have the opposite season to you guys. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, you get your stuff done, mummy does her work, and then we're having a day, a trip out to the cinema. So it should be cool. That'll be great. That was great. So how did you get into your coaching business? Well, accidentally. No. <laughs> So originally I went to medical school. I was going to be a doctor. Yeah. I left in my fifth year and I was like, oh, I ended up on a whole different uh, trajectory. And then I went back to uni and studied teaching. And I did that for six months. I hats off to the teachers. I do not have the patience for that field. <laughs> but then again, coaching is kind of like people who want to be there versus teaching and people who are. Anyway, so I did that for a little while. Then I got a government job and and drove a desk for probably about seven years. And then when I had my children, when I had my oldest one, um, having one child in childcare wasn't so bad because my office was an hour 15 from where I lived. So drop her at childcare, drive in. But once I had two, the game changed in terms of if anybody was sick or needed picking up, two lots of child seats, two, it, it was so much harder because my family lives interstate. Well, I live interstate from my family and my husband was flying fly out. So I was like, this isn't working 
logistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I decided to work from home. I got a job as an executive assistant, a customer service, not tech. I'm not very <laughs> good at behind the scenes tech stuff. And at the time I weighed twice what I do now. So I was super morbidly obese and um, I went on a health journey and I was documenting that through a Facebook page, just sharing what was coming up and what I was going through. And uh, a few people were like, oh, well, can you coach me? And I was like, potentially. (laughs) (laughs) So I did a coach training, um, my first of many. I'm a lifelong learner, hence all my pieces of paper. And I coached weight for four years, like weight loss mindset, not what to eat or how to exercise because we all know what to do. We just don't do it. And then over the last year that has really morphed because what I'm really passionate about is I believe that many of us people pleasers overeat because we overgive. So when we have clear boundaries and we are able to say no to others, we can say yes to ourselves. We don't tend to stay up so late mindlessly eating or scrolling or whatever it is. So it's, yeah, I rebranded at the end of last year, at the end of 2022. And, um, yeah, boundaries are my jam now. Wow. All right. So how do we define where to set our boundaries? Because everything, great- everything that I do is is wonderful. I'm helping so many people. I mean, how can I say no? It's such a great question because the thing is, there is a difference between being generous and overgiving. And for each different person, it will be different. It's a very personalized question because sometimes we think that we are being generous, like, you know, going over on client sessions or, you know, recommending resources to people. But if the people haven't asked for it, then that isn't actually generosity at all. Like for me as a client, if the coach I'm with going over, I actually irritated that they haven't respected my time, especially if I've hired a babysitter or something to be there and I need that thing to finish at that time. They think they're giving me more, but they're just actually not managing their time effectively. <laughs> so it's it's kind of looking at, you know, what is it that, where is it coming from too? Because sometimes when we're giving something and we're more invested in the person getting the result than they are, that isn't generosity either. That is being overgiving. So when you're really, really clear on on the boundaries, it's in service to both yourself and the client or the family member or the person. And like in, in, in personal life, so often we don't want to say no to people. Like someone will be say, hey, Suze, do you want to go to the movies and see? Like, oh, there's this new one. I don't do horror at all, but there's this new one at the moment. I think it's called Megan. And I'm like, no. (laughs) But when I was in my people-pleasing days, I was like, oh, I can't say no to them because they might never ask me again or they might think I don't like them and the things that we put ourselves through when we're people-pleasers. But if you say, you know, thanks so much for inviting me, I really appreciate it. I don't actually do horror. Is there anything else showing that you'd like to see? Oh, Avatar, yeah, let's go. And I think when we have boundaries, it's being clear on what our needs are and how we get them met and also what the other person's needs are. But when someone says, hey, do you want to go for a coffee? And you're like, oh, I don't drink coffee. But like these things happen. I remember working with a client very recently and her um, one of her good friends got a coffee maker and she visited her home. She was like, you want a coffee? Obviously, it wasn't a very good friend or she'd know that she didn't drink coffee. Yeah. But she was like, sure. And anyway, she said, Suze, I couldn't drink it. I chugged about half of it down and I just could not. So she kind of left it. And she's like, oh, if you didn't like it, I'll make you another. And then she's like, <laughs> I have to admit, 
I don't drink coffee. And she's like, why didn't you say anything? And she's like, oh, I didn't want to offend you. You were so excited. She's like, I could have made you a hot chocolate. Yeah. I think sometimes when we don't say, when we don't set the boundary because we don't want to offend or we don't want to this, we're actually in doing a disservice to both. Like if you, someone says, hey, do you want to go to this restaurant? I'd love to eat out with you. Don't, you know, that one's not my favorite. What else is there? By saying no, it's not actually hard stop, the end, closing it down. It's opening it up to, you know, what else is available so that it's a win-win. Like even with the movies today, the kids, the one the kids wanted to see, I was like, we can wait till that one comes out on Disney. (laughs) What else is there? Because like, I've got to sit through this too. (laughs) So is it better to say no with an explanation? It depends. So sometimes, that's such a great question. You could, like, if you have an appointment, I think sometimes we go to over-explain, oh, I can't come to that because I have a doctor's appointment or I can't come to that because, like, you know, we we need to justify why we can't come Mm -hmm. versus, you know, say, for example, someone said to me, do you want to come to a Tupperware party? If I said, no, I've got a doctor's appointment or whatever, then next time they're going to ask again. So with an explanation of thank you so much for inviting me, I don't actually do Tupperware. It's like, it's not really my jam. But if you have a candles party, I'm so there. So the explanation is like, I appreciate that you've considered me. I love that you've invited me because people say, oh, next time, oh, next time, knowing full well they have no intention of ever going. And that's actually a disservice to both because the person that you keep turning down probably thinks underhandedly, well, she doesn't really like me. And you're like, oh, can she invite me to something else? So we're not having a clear clear communication, whereas I don't think you need to give an explanation as in, you know, here's the reason. Here, here, teacher, here's why I didn't do my homework. (laughs) But like having this open conversation of like that's not actually, you know, in service to to both of us. Like sports. It was funny. um, If someone's like, do you want to go and watch a sport? Like depending on the friend, I'd be like, I'd rather watch paint dry. (laughs) But people... Love that level of open appreciation. It's like, what else could we do? Like, I, I, I appreciate the initiation to spend time together, but, you know, that's not something that I want to do. So if it's a really good friend and, you know, they really love uh, basketball and they invite you to their kids' sport team game, do you bite it and bear it or are you just... Or do you say, I'm not really a basketball fan and... It depends. So that's a great question. So say, for example, uh, one that I think of is like the my kids won awards at the school assembly last year. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm a hardcore introvert. I don't like crowds. They go to a big school. I'm like sitting through this. Yeah, I would rather watch grass grow. But (laughs) it's my children. It's important to them. It's an award. I want to be supportive. So in that case, 100% bite the bullet and go. So if it's your friend's kid is graduating or playing in a finale or something, you know, there are times where you're like, okay, I will do this to support somebody. But if that's the basis of your friendship and you're the one who's always going along to the things Mm. and, you know, in in hopes that, that you will kind of win them, like it's the energy behind it. So I've been to, you know, graduations, award ceremonies, sports, things that like that, like my daughter also does gymnastics and where she does it, that doesn't have air conditioning and it's really hot here in summer and I sit there in that sweat bucket every week thinking 
<laughs> and then she says to me, how dare you be upset? Like, you're just sitting there. I'm the one doing flips. And then we laugh in the car <laughs> on the way home. But, like, in that case, I will totally do something that's not, you know, because it's really important to her. Mm-hmm. But if it was something like that I was building the basis of the friendship, like, you know, sometimes we do stuff to kind of try and win people or in hopes that then they will do something in return, like it will be reciprocal. That's not generosity. That's overgiving. So it's kind of it's a case by case basis. But if it's always and um, and your needs aren't ever attended to, that's something that's worth questioning or looking at. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So what do you think? creates us to be overdoers why why do we try to overdo things i think it's such a societal conditioning message currently that we are celebrated for all that we can get done like if someone says hey you want to do this oh i can't i'm busy it's like oh they're busy and that's that's allowed and that's encouraged but it's like oh no, I'm I'm having the weekend to sit in the sun or I want to read a book or I'm going to go on a boat ride or something. Nice for some. <laughs> <laughs> so we're a society that is like is encouraging us to schedule. And and you look at a lot of the things, the apps, the programs, get more done, how to fit more in, how to, you know, the 5 a.m. club. Now, I'm not knocking any of these things. If they work for you and they motivate you and they encourage you, great. But for a lot of people, it's kind of, it it creates a dichotomy of the public me who's smiling in all the photos and Insta ready and print perfect and the behind the scenes me who's just, you know, we have these two different lives. And I think, you know, as a society, we're encouraged, you know, do all the things. How much can you get done? Busy, busy, busy versus, you know, what are you, what are you doing? That's nice for some. Like I remember visiting my parents because my coaching business is obviously, um, mobile. I've got my laptop. I've got my backdrop. I can do it from anywhere. And um, my dad's retired now. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh yeah, I start at 10. He's like, oh, well, shouldn't you be like doing like cleaning or doing the dishes or doing meal prep? Or And I'm like, no, I, I want to watch Netflix. He's like, but it's in the morning. Like you should be doing something. It's like <laughs> I am. <laughs> so funny. But it's, it's, you know, we are celebrated for packing our schedules and I just, I don't, I don't subscribe to that any longer. That's, that's a, hmm. so if I schedule a nap, then I can say I'm busy, but because I really am. Yeah, I'm unavailable. I I, I actually nap every day. It's so funny. I'm such a nana um, (laughs) and I love it. And my free time is always scheduled first. And it's like, it's unavailable because in the beginning, what would be sacrificed would be me. My healthy food would be wilting in the fridge while I grabbed cheap and cheerful because I had no time to cook. My gym membership was going unused and my treadmill was becoming expensive clothes horse and everything that was being sacrificed was myself. And then to the hope that one day when I made it, one day when I was successful, one day, you know, I'd have more time. But how you create whatever it is you're creating is how you'll continue. So if it's hustling, overworking and putting yourself last, once you get there, you're not magically going to turn around and do a 180. You're going to keep doing those things until you get burnout. Mm. What needs to happen to us to do you think about how I want to raise this question? <laughs> um, if we're so used to being doers, what needs to happen to us to 
get the courage to say no. For some people, they will hit rock bottom. Like they will reach a point where they realize like I'm fully burnt out. My adrenals are shot. I'm exhausted. Um, And like, what do they say? Rock bottom, the only place is up. So, you know, when you reach that point where you're beyond your capacity and that's why I think overdoing, overworking is a hard cycle to break because it reminds me, um, you know, those inner tubes that you can kind of lie in and float like, you know, down a, down a river thing. So we've got a water park not far from here. We're going to it on Monday, actually. It's my son's favourite part. My daughter loves the slides. Um, she does that with my husband. They're the thrill seekers. My son and I are the tubes. <laughs> we just float along. And overworking can kind of be like that as in you slip into it and it's easy to get into one of those tubes and then you're floating along, it's really hard to get out. Mm. So you kind of like you, you've scheduled yourself or you're over-scheduled your stuff. You have so many commitments. What am I doing today? Who am I speaking to? What's, you know, this? It's going to take kind of a big splash to get out. And sometimes, you know, like something I say to my clients is when you stop people-pleasing, some people are not pleased. <laughs> so when you make that splash and you say, actually, I'm not available, and you may or may not say what it is, like I'm not available because you know, I'm going to have a nap or I'm not available because I'm going to go to the gym, but basically just I'm not available from here to here, hard stop. Um, it, it can be a really, there can be pushback in the beginning, but what happens more often than not is the people fall away, but the people who come in who love that, they're like, I love that you take time for yourself. I love that, like with my own program, when the kids got the award last year, it happened to be at the same time I was running a call because I have a global audience. So I often do some stuff in the evening and the award ceremony was at night. And I said, look, I was honest. I'm rescheduling this call because my kids have gotten an award ceremony and I'm going. (laughs) And I'm sure there would be a couple of people who were like, what? But almost everybody else was like, we love that. Like send us photos. How did they go? Um, I've had calls that I've got to run before and I've gone to sit down. I've been like, I have a really bad headache. Like it's just come on. Like there's been no notice. So I'm going to reschedule this. And I remember the first time I did it, as I went to have a nap because it was turning into a migraine, I was thinking, oh, that person's going to ask for a refund or they're going to find, you know, all this stuff where our brain goes. I woke up from the nap and there's the most beautiful message, thank you for modelling self-care for me. Because we can do things. Like I know what would happen. I would have pushed through that call. I wouldn't have been happy with it. They would have been fine because they wouldn't know him, but I wouldn't have been happy. So I would have given them another one because I do that when I'm not happy with stuff. So I would have done the core crap, feeling crap, had to give up another hour anyway to redo it and just, you know, all around. So making the call and, you know, and and just a level of honest, a couple of times I've double booked or, or something, I've noticed it ahead of time. I think rather than like, why is it so much more socially acceptable to go, we need to have an integration week. It's like, no, you don't have your stuff together. Like, be honest. Or, um, you know, like, I'm go- I've decided to extend the launch. You haven't reached your numbers and you want to sell more spots. Like, there's nothing wrong with being honest. People appreciate honesty so much more than where they can sniff out the lie. And, yeah, it just... It really irritates me when I get things like, oh, I, um, I've i decided to extend the launch or let's give you an integration week or this sort of stuff where it's like you don't have it together. You're human. So are we. Like yeah. even if your business is business to business, the business is run by humans. <laughs> so I think we just normalise that we have needs, we have unexpected things come up mm-hmm. and this is how we navigate it rather than putting through something that, you know, like I remember last year 
I would have been the year before now because I've just hit 2023. I had to have an unexpected surgery. I went to the doctor on Thursday. They scheduled me for Monday. And I was like, this is this is not, <laughs> this is suboptimal. And um, I just told the people who are in the program, I was going to deliver it over this six weeks. Now instead, here it is. Like I'm going to deliver it. Here's the times. And then here's the extra integration time. And then when I come back from surgery, I'll run extra calls rather than, you know, making up some story or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's great. What does the first meeting look like with you? The first meeting with me. So I don't do a lot of one-to-one anymore. I run a program called um, Why Wait. It runs four times a year um, on the school terms because the person who teaches boundaries <laughs> uh, has the time that, that suits her. And the very first week, it's so funny because people usually come to a course and they've psyched themselves up and they're ready and they're like, this is going to be the thing, give it all to me and whatever. And I actually the welcome call explains how the program's going to work, but also where are you going to fit time in for this? So what else do you have going on? And invariably every round there'll be somebody who goes, oh, I have nothing. And I'm like, okay, cool. So do you work? And they're like, yes. Do you have a partner or children? Yes. Do you have sports or hobbies? Yes. Do you have family? Yes. So it's like I think so often we try and shove stuff into our already overpacked life. Like we don't even count for all these things. So the first thing people do when they work with me is we get out onto the table everything that they already have going on and how are we going to fit this program into that because transformation, like you see shows Biggest Loser, uh, the house shows, the model shows, all this stuff, and people have amazing transformations and then they go back to their real lives and it doesn't work and people get down on them. It's like transformation doesn't happen in a vacuum. When you go to a show where you have no family responsibility, no cooking responsibilities, no cleaning, no job, you just get that time to focus on you and then you go back and try and integrate that into your day-to-day life, that's where it all falls over. So the first thing people do when they're working with me is we get out everything they have going on, we look at what we can delegate, and that involves, you know, sometimes asking people, and that's always a scary part, like what if they say no or what are they going to make it mean about me? And we start with little asks. Um, but, you know, what can they delegate to others? What can they ditch? Like if something's been on your to-do list for however long and it's not done yet, like do you need that mental clutter there? Can you just be like, I'm done with this? <laughs> Ditching, decluttering, making space to then go into the the inner work of whatever it is that you're wanting to do in the long term. That's great. Okay. So, I mean, your program is called Why Wait? Tell me a uh, why is it called that? So, so many of us are waiting. We're waiting until the perfect time, like after Christmas, after New Year's, after our birthday, after our anniversary, after we have kids or the kids start school or the kids finish school or or whatever. And if you're looking for a reason to wait, you're always going to find one. So it's called Why Wait? Because the only ever time that we have is now. And it's about not putting off to tomorrow the thing that you truly desire to do now, because otherwise you're always going to be putting it off and you're never going to make yourself a priority. Oh, that's good. Okay. Why wait? Do it now. (laughs) Any closing thoughts? I, I guess when it comes to stopping people pleasing, saying no, setting boundaries, it is a big thing. Like it's, and many of us tend to pendulum swing from being the yes person to then saying no to everything and then feeling kind of alone and lonely. Because when, like a boundary 
is a fence with a gate that you can let people and yourself in and out. When we have no boundaries and we start to set boundaries, often what we can build is like a fortress <laughs> and then we're stuck in there and we're like, well, this sucks even worse than over there. So it's noticing instead of going the pendulum from like no boundaries to fortress, it's kind of like starting these small steps and evaluating like how did it go? And maybe my my last piece of advice would be choose people who don't yet know you well because they don't know another version of you. So people who are new coming into your lives or people who are acquaintances is so much easier to set boundaries and establish boundaries with because they're like, oh, she's unavailable. Okay. Whereas if it's a family member or close, what do you mean? What have you got going on? What's happening? What haven't you told me? So start with more the the further people from your orbit and then slowly bring it in. Well, that's great. All right. So don't immediately say no to your mom, but <laughs> it's okay to say no to your sister. <laughs> All right. Well, that was great information. I really appreciate your time. And we'll make sure all your links are below. And it was great. Thank you, Suzanne. I really, I really got a lot of details there. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Lois. All right. Well, thanks, Giant Builders. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.